So very important that we understand that our stories should ultimately tell the story of Jesus. So never be worried about leaving a legacy for your own name. A lot of us don't want to leave our legacies because we know our track record. Amen? Pride tells us, leave a legacy so people glorify my name. Leave a legacy so people remember me. Leave a legacy so when people see me, they see a good man. They see a holy man. They see all these things. Leave a legacy that says, Jesus Christ was my Savior, and he grabbed me up out of the ashes, restored my life, and used this broken vessel to make much of the name of his son, Jesus. That's what you want your life to do. Pride will tell you other other things. Like, I need to do this so people think this of me. I need to do that. I need to do this many works. I accumulate this many things. But the gospel says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs are the kingdom of God. Is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You always see the weak being used by God in his story because he who has been forgiven of much glorified God much. Amen? There's no one in here today that got forgiven of a few sins. There's no one on here that had a little note card with a few bad things you did or said or you thought a few bad thoughts and God had to burn them. There's no books and no books and no books and no books and no books. They go to the DVDs. You can just keep going with our track record of waves we have filled before God. But the glorious gospel tells us this. There was one act done by the mighty Son of God by which all our sins were erased so we could spend our life magnifying the one who has saved us. So when people look at each one of you, they're going to say, they are so messed up, only Jesus could have saved them. Only God could be strengthening them. Only God could be picking them. I knew them two years ago. How are they walking like this? How are they loving like this? How are they caring like this? How are they kind like this? How are they preaching like this? How are they singing like this? How are they living like this? How are they working hard? Look at what God is doing in their life. And when they look at you, they will see that Jesus is writing your story. And that's the legacy you want to leave in this life. I share that... So that we can look at the story of Mary today, the mother of God, that Jesus called this woman to be blessed among all women, that her, this poor peasant girl, would be called blessed, would be epic if you would, because her story told the story of Jesus. You know, there's nothing like when you're watching a movie and all this stuff is happening, so I went to see Unbroken with my father-in-law and Joe Gore. <clears throat> you know it was a good movie because my father-in-law paid for a ticket. You understand me? You know? In his era, you don't pay for a ticket. You either sneak in or you watch him when it comes out on DVD. You understand me? He said, I'm going to the movie. So I, I said, man, we've got to check out this movie. If my father-in-law is going to the movie, we've got to check out the movie. He saw it twice. You understand me? That's serious. This movie on broken. So I'm watching this movie. And I'm thinking to myself, can this be true? Did this guy really run in the Olympics? Did he really survive two plane crashes? Did he really go to a few prisoner war camps? And did this same villainous dude keep following 
him around? Like, can you really, is this real? And then you love when it says, based on a true story. And if you watch that whole movie, you know, he lifts up that log. Everyone's like, yeah, dog. You say, wow, you can see God writing his story. And then they show a clip of this man when he's 90 years old. And he says, through all my brokenness, through all my pain, through the plane crashes, through the prisoner war camp, through everything, through the victory, through the defeats, through the anxiety, through the courage, he, sees, he quotes Romans, says, God worked all things together for good. And why did he do that? He did that to glorify the name of his son, Jesus. And today I want you guys to hear that. Some of you have been through so much brokenness. Some of you have been through so much victory. Some of you have been through so much anxiety, so much courage. That's life. But let me tell you, for those who are in Christ, Jesus is writing your story, and your story is going to testify to the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's turn to Luke one twenty six through 38. In the sixth month, I hit pages turning still. I'm going to give you two more seconds. Okay. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greetings this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And on his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? since I am a virgin. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her own age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The reason I shared that on Broken Story, because I want people to understand rightly that the Bible is a true story. We do not come here to be encouraged by myths. We don't come here to celebrate fables. We come here in reality to celebrate the almighty God who sent a baby in the flesh who was God, the second person of the Trinity, all these stories happen, and that reality should shake us and cause us to be in awe. That the angel Gabriel, there's a spiritual realm that God has made, that the angel appeared and spoke to Mary and said, you have been the one chosen to bear the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior. The choice of Jesus' mother is so vitally important in the story of God, and I want us to see this today. Who we chose as Jesus' mother was important. You know, psychologists say that mothers represent a child's bond to the world and the understanding of it. 
So how your mother cares for you, how she loves you, how she's compassionate for you. If your mother's compassionate and empathetic, you will learn to see the world through compassionate and empathetic eyes. This means Jesus would be the one who would, Mary would be the one who would hold Jesus, care for Jesus, bathe Jesus, teach Jesus, sing Jesus lullabies, read the story of God to Jesus, pray with Jesus. This is vital in shaping who Jesus was because he's fully God and fully man. A mother is so important in shaping your compassion and empathy for a broken world. And what did Jesus need? He needed empathy. When he looked out, See, the Pharisees looked down and they said, look at these filthy sinners who keep falling over and over again. You hypocrites, you're worthless, you're nothing. You do these 10 things and you'll be worthless, worth something then. You're worth nothing unless you meet my approval. Those were the Pharisees, those are hypocrites, those are religious leaders. Those are what some pastors preach today. But Jesus looked out and he had a heart that was different because he had a mother who was compassionate, a mother who was God-fearing, a mother who was holy. He looked out at all the people And he said, there's sheep with no shepherd. He said, they're lost. They need to hear about God's grace. They need to hear about God's mercy. They don't know. They need to know. And I'm going to make it known through my life. Mary had a big part in shaping Jesus in that way. All our moms shape us in that way. You know, when a kid falls and scrapes their knees and you have dad and mom hair, Nine out of ten times they're hitting up mom. Dad's going to be like, man up, you got this, dog. Mom's going to be like, listen, it's okay, we got the vasotracin, we're going to help. Moms are made like that. They're made to cultivate empathy in the children. So it was vital, this pick of Mary. And one thing I, I truly love about the Bible and I love about our Savior and our God is how he picks people. <clears throat> he never picks people <clears throat> in his story because of their outward appearance. He never picks them because they have the right clothes on or the right education or any other reason or the family they come from. He picks them because he looks at the heart. God has no respect to the persons. He looks at our hearts, and that's how he chooses And it wasn't different with Mary. When Mary was met by the angel Gabriel, she was 13 or 15 years old. You want to talk about pressure? What? 13 to 15? That's a lot of pressure. She was from Nazareth. Listen, I'm from Lynn. Nazareth was like Lynn. No one was like Lynn. (laughs) That's where it's at, dog. Like, if you're from there, you know nicknames. We love our city. But Nazareth was Lynn. It was poor. No one said, oh, that's the best city in the world. You know, like, it wasn't well known for its prominence and its academics, even though I know Lynn's working on that. Believe me, I'm from Lynn. I'm not knocking Lynn. Some people in like, what you got, Doc? Listen, I love Lynn, but let's be honest. She's from Nazareth. It's poor. Many people are peasants there. She's 13 or 15 years old. There's nothing, if you look at the outward, why God would choose her to be the mother of God. But God saw something in Mary that her heart was still waiting for the Messiah, that her heart was pure, that her heart was obedient. And um, we spoke last week about them awaiting the prophecies of the Messiah, 
of the Savior who would come and save all people, Mary was eagerly awaiting the prophecy of the Messiah. Now imagine this. We started this Advent series when they said that the Messiah will be born of a woman. And this Messiah would crush the head of Satan and reconcile the relation between God and man. So all throughout history, everyone's like, who is this woman? Who will be the woman who will give birth to the Messiah? When the angel Gabriel comes there, Mary says, I'm the chosen one. She thinks there's nothing in herself. Like, why me? I'm a peasant girl from Nazareth. I'm 13 to 15 years old. Why me? Jesus says, because I choose who I choose according to the heart. And I need people to hear that today. Because some of us today, the world has taught you to look down on yourself. The, Lord, Lord, the world has taught you that you're not as valuable as other people in different socioeconomic situations or whatever it is. If you want to be used by God, take care of your heart and he'll call your name and he'll put you on the front lines to make a difference in this world. So Mary, she's petrified. I don't know, angel shows up in your room. I don't know, I'd be a little sad too. Everyone acts like, oh, angel, you're here. I was waiting for you. No, I'd be like, what's going on? Hearing things. She's terrified, but the angel settles her down and says, Mary, you found favor in the eyes of God. You're the chosen one who will give birth to the Savior of the world. And she sees herself now as that woman, and she believes the promises of God. This is so important in faith. A lot of people have faith for two weeks. I believe it. I believe it. I'm amped. I'm pumped. I'm Christian. I'm following. Here we go. Church two weeks in a row. I'm breaking it. Bring it. I don't know what just happened. (laughs) But we're like, I got so much faith. I'll walk through a wall right now. All of a sudden, the trials come. All of a sudden, that prayer that you thought was going to be answered on Thursday didn't get answered on Thursday. All of a sudden, hold on. How is God going to make this happen? The weeks, the months, the years go by and we can lose faith. And I encourage you, don't lose faith. God always fulfills his promises. And Mary, after thousands, thousands of years, was still waiting for this Messiah and believed that God could do the impossible. And she believed the Messiah would be born through her womb. It's an amazing thing, an amazing faith she showed. She was still eagerly awaiting thousands, thousands of years for God to fulfill his promises. Everyone today, wait for God to fulfill his promises in your life. He will and he's going to. She believed them possible, secondly. I don't know about you, but I learned it takes a man and a woman to make a baby, right? The angel says, listen, don't worry about that. Listen, God says don't worry about a few things. That seems pretty big. No, don't worry about this. I got you. She believes that God's going to do the impossible, that the Holy Spirit will come upon her, and she'll become pregnant with the Son of God. She believed Isaiah 7.14. We talked about prophecies last week. 600 years before, the prophecy was this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. This is a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. Hundreds of years before, Mary knew the prophecy that a virgin would give birth to the Son of God, and she became that virgin and would give birth. And finally, she understood, and I said this, and I want us to really feel this today. She understood through God's choice of her that God was no respecters of persons and we'll get to it later on in the message. She felt so humbled by that. She writes a song later on and and I'll share that with you. But an important thing on your journey of faith that I want us to learn through Mary's story is 
Mary, this is a big moment. I'm amped. I wake up the next morning. My my life has purpose. This is big. God is with me. God is upon me. God is going to work through me. Many times, all the time, when you stop following Jesus, you find that favor, you find that grace, you find that salvation. Let me tell you what's next. Suffering. Okay? Many people don't understand this, and they preach a Christianity of health, wealth, and prosperity. So like, follow Jesus, you'll dance on rainbows and eat candy canes. And people are like, man, two days ago, I feel horrible. Because they're selling you a gospel that's not the gospel because it puts money in their pockets. The gospel is this, take up your cross and follow him. The gospel is this, deny yourself daily. The gospel is this, him who loses his life will save his life. The gospel is lay it all down and you'll actually gain it all. But there's much suffering ahead for everyone who follows Jesus. If you're suffering, you're on the right road. You know, we, we sell this philosophy. If you're not happy, get away from it. It doesn't make you happy. Go. No. A lot of times when you're suffering, stay in the trenches. Walk the road. Keep the path because God has his plans for you. And Mary would suffer much. I would argue this. Mary was the first person to suffer for Jesus Christ. Mary was the first person to suffer for Jesus Christ. Right away, she was labeled as a fornicator. Sexual immorality is unholy. And people were hateful about it. You try explaining that your, God, your baby's God's baby. Who's the daddy? God. What's he do? He makes the living. Yeah, try that one. He got this. Everyone be like, is there something wrong with her? She got labeled as a fornicator right away. She's sexually immoral. She was betrothed to Joseph. They said she's a liar. She's not only a liar, she's immoral. She's not a God-fearing woman. She's not a humble woman. She's not, she's filthy, they said. Now, hear this too. The world will label you sometimes the opposite of what you really are. Mary was actually holy and pure before God and righteous before God. They labeled her the total opposite, just like they were Jesus. Jesus was the king of Jews. They mocked him for it. They called him a blasphemer and he was the son of God. She had to go through suffering because she was labeled as filthy and sexually immoral. So she starts that right then. The suffering. Secondly, she has to watch her son be ridiculed and slandered. Let me tell you this. It's great becoming a parent. It's hard becoming a parent. Do you know? Right away, you know, I remember when my sister and my brother-in-law, Devin, they told us we're having a baby. Yeah. Then, in the coming months, Nikki got in a car accident. I got a call. Car accident. Is the baby all right? I rushed there. Everything's all right. We made it through. Then we're in the delivery room, and Sadie Joe decides not to breathe for six minutes. That's fun. Six minutes, she doesn't breathe. Then some legend doctor, by the grace of God, sovereignly walks in, like kicks her on the back, moves on, and she's like breathing. We still don't know this man. He could be here. Then she went through other things. And let me tell you what happened to carefree uncle and auntie. They were like, they always used to make fun of me. You're so stressed out, man. You're a paranoid parent. You're stressed out. You want your kids in a bubble. I was like, all right, I got you. I got you. Let's see how you do in the arena. 
My brother-in-law, Devin, kept saying there's going to be a new Uncle Devin. I said, all right. There was a new Uncle Devin, and he was absolutely paranoid. <laughs> absolutely paranoid. I kept looking around. He was scared. He was watching every corner. He was counting every breath. He was looking around. You become hypervigilant because when you become a parent, there's so much joy. There's so much um, just gratitude towards God. But there's a certain amount of suffering and worry that comes with becoming a parent. And I tried to work through this yesterday. I thought if Mary would be more stressed out because Jesus was the son of God, I mean, watching every corner, does he fall, does he hit his head? I said to myself, maybe he could fall and hit his head and just get up. Maybe it was less stressful. I don't know. You know, maybe like he's God. Let him fall. But she has to watch. Her son to go through so much ridicule and slander. This is one of the hardest things that parents go through. When one of my daughters was in preschool, there was a bully in that preschool. And we have to watch her go in sometime to preschool. And the girl would always say stuff to her. And she'd go over in the corner and kind of just play with trucks. And she would ostracize her and keep her out of the circle. And I just remember as a parent just feeling like, oh, man, I need that father's address. Left, left hooks, right hooks, uppercuts and body slams. I need his address. It is the hardest thing to watch your kids go through pain. Imagine what Mary went through with suffering, with watching her son be rejected by the world. Now let's take it to the next level. Imagine the suffering with having to watch your son murdered, your child murdered. To be a viewer in the audience that watched your child hung up on a cross, unrecognizable, bleeding, sweating, broken. People are spitting at him. People are ridiculing him. Imagine that suffering. I don't know if I could bear that. But Mary, for the sake of her story, telling the story of her son Jesus, she bore that suffering because that's the suffering that God wrote into her story for the glory in the name of Jesus. And what we have to understand now is God's going to write suffering in our story so that we can glorify the name of Jesus. And Mary is called blessed among all women for reason. You know, people need to understand this. There's two mistakes made. One mistake is to deify Mary, and the other mistake is not to honor her rightly. And so... Jesus was his mother's savior, Mary's savior. And some people wrongly deify Mary. They put her in a place of exaltation that she would never want to be in. Mary does not want us praying to her as the mediator because she understands that Jesus, her son, is her savior and the only mediator. Mary would not want to be deified because she understood that she was a sinner in need of God's grace too. So that's one mistake. The other mistake is not recognizing that Mary is at the top when it comes to the kingdom of God. Do you guys hear me? At the top. So you know how Jesus said, among all the men born, none is greater than John the Baptist. So Jesus put John the Baptist up there. I would say it's safe to say, among the women born, there's no one greater than Mary. And so we in the kingdom of God should honor and respect and in a sisterly way, revere Mary as someone who was called to exalt the name of Jesus. 
because she was a woman who was crucial to the story. And just so you understand that, because people wrongly, they make serious error. They say that Mary never had any other kids because they want to make her without sin. and holy. But the Bible says she has other kids, and Jesus had half-brothers that were between Joseph and Mary. And Mary understood that her Savior had arrived. She was waiting for the advent of Jesus. She was waiting for the salvation of her people. And when the salvation was going to arrive through her, she wrote this unbelievable song called the Magnificat that will show you that Jesus was her Savior too and how worshipful she became when she realized he was about to arrive through her womb. So let's turn to Luke 146 through 56. Listen, you're feeling good when you're going to sit down and write a song. You understand me? When you're feeling so good, you're like, i got to write some lyrics. You're feeling the grace of God. Mary writes this song. And it says, and Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Do you hear that right there? That's why we're doing this in the Christian faith today. We call Mary blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Does everyone see where that story we're talking about today fits in the story of God in Advent who's been here the last few weeks? So what do we have? We talked about in the garden how man fell, broke relationship with God, the need for a savior. And then we talked about the prophecies last week, all those hundreds of prophecies about the coming Messiah. Then we talked about Mary, the woman chosen. And what is the last thing she said? It's been fulfilled, all the promises that God would rescue his people through the people in the line of Abraham. So understand that. Because this coming Saturday at, on Christmas Eve, we'll talk about the birth of that child. And the following Saturday, we'll talk about the second advent, how Jesus said he would return in all his glory and power. But final thought. God is the author. He is writing the story. He wrote Mary in the story to glorify Jesus. He writes you in the story to glorify the name of his son, Jesus. Let's live knowing that. Let's enjoy God well, let's suffer well, and let's rejoice well, even as we sing today, singing with gratitude to our Savior. Amen? Let's pray.